We would like to acknowledge the Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land in which we record this podcast. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. the hell are we doing the podcast where we chat all things motherhood and life after having a baby the journey through finding yourself and your new relationships with life nothing is off limits this is a safe space we are here to help you navigate this next phase of life i'm sky i'm lynn and what the hell are we doing doing? (laughs) 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 one day (laughs) one day Um, it's almost like are we punishing people by making them listen to us Probably. not say it at the same time? <laughs> I'm going to say There'll yes. be someone out there that'll be like, excuse me, like you actually need to I fix know. it because I can't listen to you guys saying it like One that. One day when we're in person and you don't have COVID, we will. At this point, it feels like I'm actually going to have COVID forever, so I'm not sure when that's going to come. I know. I really <laughs> hope that you're negative tomorrow, but you won't be, but I really hope you are. I won't be. Yeah. It, I'll still be positive for sure. It'll be faint. And I'm going to miss book club, which is really annoying, but I can just FaceTime from yeah, home. Yeah, true. Because I actually have read the book. <laughs> I'm, I'm organized this time. I listened to the book ages ago. So, yeah, I'll definitely be there on FaceTime. Excited. If you guys will have me. Of course we will have you. Oh, but how's your week been? How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. It's been good. Busy. Been raining a lot. We're trying to get our house ready for everyone coming over on Saturday for our launch. So, um, yeah, we've just been cleaning and trying to fix the backyard a little bit so that it looks nicer and all the little kitties, well, only the three kitties, but they can all play around outside and inside. Yeah, I think they'll love it. I'm excited. My mother-in-law also got, um, bless her, Julie, she got like a little um, ladder and like a little oh, yes. kind of slide thingy. And she's like, oh, bring it on Saturday and the little kids can play on it as oh, well. So, so really sweet. They're going to have like a whole play section for them on oh, Saturday. So, that's you know, at least they'll have fun yeah. and that'll keep them really entertained. It's been and, yeah. literally so nice. Like at the time that we're recording this, we've obviously just put out our trailer and our Instagram and everything like that. And just seeing everybody mm-hmm. share the page and have said that they've listened to the trailer. It's the so support. nice. and. We really appreciate all of you guys and we just are so grateful for each and every one of you. Yeah. I know. It's actually been really sweet. Like I feel like I always have a little bit of like, not a little bit, a lot of a lot of doubt when I do stuff, which I know most people do. I just know that it's something that really like plagues me whenever I do something and I struggle with the insecurity and like my self-esteem when it comes to doing something it's almost like that whole puppy syndrome thing where it's kind of like I'm sitting there thinking people are probably going um why are you doing the podcast you know and yeah and it's hard to grapple with that because I know that you and I both feel passionately and we really just want to talk about stuff that we feel like a lot of other people are talking about um and make other people obviously just feel 
like they're a part of a bigger community and possibly having some conversations that they might not hear all the time. Um, So it has been really nice to feel like the people in our live (laughs) live, lives are excited for us and and do think that what we're doing is good work because that's obviously what we think. And it's just that feeling of like you want all of your loved ones to feel proud of you and excited for you and happy for you and just actually seeing that play out in front of your eyes, it's just such a heartwarming feeling to know that you have so many people in your corner. It's just really been lovely. I've really enjoyed it. The only problem now is that we have to deliver. <laughs> we got to stick this out. <laughs> I feel the pressure. I know. And it's like it, we have to stick it out, but it also I has know. to be good because I don't want people to kind of feel like, oh, yeah, that was I all know. right. <laughs> like, I feel like, oh, okay. That's fine. As long as we enjoy ourselves and we just stick with why we are doing this, then I feel like we'll be okay. We just got to stay true to ourselves. Yes, exactly. And we're doing this to fill our own cups. Like this is something that is literally a a passion. It's a a hobby for us. It's something that we really want to do. And so I think that will reach at least the target audience. Five of you out there. <laughs> I used to say three, now I'm saying five. So I'm obviously very up. <laughs> optimistic. That's it. It's good. It's good. Uh, how are you feeling though? Are you almost feeling cured from COVID? Um, today was one of those days where I very much was like, I am just embracing the chaos today because obviously Shane had to go back to work because he's now testing negative and he was like, I'm yeah. skedaddling <laughs> out this door because I ain't positive anymore. I don't care. Um, and so I had to work from home obviously and had bubs and we're both not feeling great. Um, it was just one of those days where it was like I just had to go, okay, the two things that I can do is work and Sylvie, like any, everything else is just going to fall to the side. The house is a mess, whatever. And some, like it does affect me because I'm like, I looked around at the house and I'm like, it's such a mess and there's just crap everywhere. But then I'm just like, that's okay. All Sylvie knows is that she's having a lot of fun, just doing her own thing today. I'm there. I'm playing with her when I can. And I'm getting as much done as work with work as I can. Sorry. And work yeah. knows that we're sick. Um, Obviously, that doesn't remove the fact that I have to work. <laughs> like, obviously, it's like, okay, well, you're sick, but you've still got a lot of work to do. And yeah, is what it is. I mean, I can't. It's hard yeah. to balance it all. Like, I actually just can't take any more time off. I've got too much work to do. And um, that's my own fault because I just feel like I'm disorganized and I don't get enough done, <laughs> <laughs> what I should be. Um, but anyway, so. It's been one yeah. of those days. But I'm feeling better. I am feeling better, I would say. So that's what matters. That's it. Couple more days and then for it. Fingers crossed. We pray to all the gods and manifest that you will not be positive on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine that I don't get to make I it know. to my own launch party? Like, FaceTiming <laughs> like, will not be good me. enough for that. I've already Literally. missed enough. <clears throat> no, it no. actually won't be. Like, I'll almost be like, I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I won't come, of course. <laughs> I wouldn't really. I would never do that to anyone. But but today, I believe that you and I are discussing your conception journey, your pregnancy, your birth story. And I'm excited because I love it. I actually think you've got a great positive 
birth story and I love hearing it and I know you love talking about it. Get me anywhere and I'll be chatting about it if I can. I know. That's pretty much why we wanted to do a whole podcast so we could just be like, <laughs> we're just going to share our birth stories, episode one and two, done. <laughs> and the podcast finished. <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> that's it. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> No, honestly, though, we both love birth stories. Anyone that we know in our life who is pregnant, we literally like, oh, my God, I can't yes. wait to hear their birth story once the baby's here. So sorry to our friends who are listening, but we definitely will be wanting those stories yep. because yep. Sharing love to stories hear is one of the most important art forms that there is in the world. It's how everyone learns things and how things get passed on from generation to generation. So, yeah. Exactly. No, I think it's good. It's one of the longest standing traditions exactly. in this country, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And so I am excited to share mine and I'm, I I do feel really grateful that I had a positive, you know, journey throughout the whole, my whole experience. And I feel very lucky and blessed and I like to share it because I think before I actually got pregnant and, you know, I always wanted to get pregnant and have a baby, but I think that there, I knew that how much fear there was surrounding birth and I knew that everyone's like oh it's so painful oh it's so scary oh it's so horrible and then when I started actually educating myself on the process and what you can do and what your partner can do to help you I really became empowered to want to hear positive birth stories and change the narrative around birth and try and like Every time someone will ask, oh, aren't you scared to give birth? Like a part of me would feel like, don't say that. Like I'm not scared to give birth. It's not scary. Yes, it's in, can be scary and it can be intense, but it's almost like such a minimal amount of negative stories is like the overwhelming story that you hear about birth of like the sc- the scariness of it. Yeah, and like it's hard. Because it's almost like why why would you want to say that to people? Like why would you want to say to someone who is pregnant and knows that that pregnancy is going to come to them giving birth in some way, shape or form? I mean, like why would you want to ask your friends, you know, why are you scared? Like it should be are you excited or how do you feel? Like obviously you're not going to dismiss someone's feelings if they say they're scared. But I think that if you're the friend asking someone else about how they are looking forward to the birth that should be framed maybe at least just ask them how they're feeling not already put those negative thoughts out there into the environment and sort of be like aren't you scared i've heard this is a negative side or well, something. i mean all of the stuff that we see in pop culture reflected to us of birth is a screaming woman laying on her back sweating and just having the most horrible time of her whole life and so i mean i don't blame everyone for for saying that but it's nice to get our stories out and get hear other stories of how that's not just the one scenario that exists there is so many out there so i'm excited to share mine today so yes so aaron and i you know we've spoken about how we knew we were ready and then um we decided to just kind of thinking it was going to take a few years to just stop actively using contraception. I mean, I've been off the pill for years, so I didn't have that. Using flow, love flow. Um, and 
just kind of refraining from having sex in my ovulation period or else using a condom the best. Um, and Would you say that it was hard to refrain <laughs> from having sex when you were ovulating? I mean. Uh, you're just going moment. against all the biological urges. <laughs> Literally, don't look at me. No, yeah, I like if we weren't, I guess, not refraining, but if I was always consciously aware of when I was ovulating. So if we were, if I knew I was ovulating for that week, we both knew what needed to happen if that was the case. And, um, or what needed to not happen. Yep. So it's not, it wasn't on if it wasn't on. <laughs> oh, I like that. You should put that on a t shirt, that one. Jess's <laughs> mum said that once to us. She oh, was like, props to Jess's oh, mum. I told Daniel, if it's not on, it's not on. <laughs> I never forgot that. Um, yeah, so that's what we were doing. So we just stopped that. And then it was like a bit like, oh, okay, this is a bit stressful the first time, like that. We obviously were like, okay, it doesn't matter. And, um, yeah, like we didn't, I didn't really pay attention to specifically when I was ovulating being like, oh, we have to do it these days. I was just kind of like, oh, this is when I'm ovulating. Let's just try have sex around them. You were messaging me like, oh, have you bought ovulation um, kits? Because I told you that we were going to start trying and you were like, oh, towards my period, just, you were like, oh, just test, start testing. You can test a few days before your period. Like maybe you're pregnant. And I was like, Elisa, I am not pregnant. Like. <laughs> I honestly have, like, it's the first try, like, I'm not pregnant. It's going to take us years. And I remember specifically I was driving home from work and, like, I felt like a slight nauseous feeling in my stomach, like the very slightest. And I thought, hmm, no, I'm not. I'm just, like, you know, you, you know when you think yourself sick, like, you're like, I am not pregnant. Like, that's ridiculous. Anyway. But I just, I went and bought, I got one pregnancy test, like a singular pregnancy test, came home, did it. I was like on my phone, just sitting on the toilet. And then I was like, oh, it's actually been like, it had been like five minutes. I was just like scrolling on TikTok. And then I looked over to my right and I saw the positive test and I was just like, what the hell? Like, no, surely not. And I looked at it. My heart was beating. I went and sat on our bed, like my pants still like on my ankles. I'm sitting on the toilet. I've got the photo. Yeah. I actually looked at it the other day because I was going through our shared photos and I went, yep, there it is, a very positive plus sign. We on the stick still, pants around the ankles. <laughs> and I sent it to you actually, immediately. Actually, I don't know if I could see that your pants are around the ankles, but. <laughs> you can visualize it. You've heard this story. <laughs> And yeah, and I sent you a message straight away and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I think I said, oh my God, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I'd always kind of thought, oh, when I'm, when I fall pregnant, like I want to do something really cute for Aaron, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I straight away ran into the back of the house where he was working at the time and I just pants around my ankle still. I don't know why I couldn't have just pulled them up, but anyway. I said, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. And he just looked at me like, what? Because I hadn't told him that I was even thinking I was pregnant, let alone had told him that I'd bought a pregnancy test. And actually, because it had been lockdowns at the time, I think we were in a lockdown. Um, it was September, so we were definitely in a lockdown. And my brother was living with us, so I knew he was coming home soon and I didn't want to say anything. So I said to Aaron, oh, my God, 
I'm pregnant. Like you've, you've got to go and get more tests. Like I need to know if this is definitely it. I think I'd said to you as well, go and get a digital test. You need the digital one. Cause it's like your test was very positive, but it's like, you need to see it say yes, one to two or whatever it's going to say. I yeah. know. And so then he went to get more and I did more and there was like pregnant, like two to three weeks or whatever it said. Um, Cause it was the day before my period was due. And I was just like in so much shock. And then I think I told my whole family later that night, um, my family were in Portugal. They were stuck overseas because of the lockdowns and they'd gone on holiday in March, 2020, and then they couldn't get back. So my, I told my brother. Oh no, what a time to go on a holiday. I know, literally. <laughs> told my brother, they couldn't, my, my sister and my mom actually thought I was sending your pregnancy test and saying, oh, Lisa's pregnant. Like how exciting. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's me. It's me. Hi. <laughs> I'm the pregnant one. Yeah. And they were so shocked. Cause I think they had thought I was just gonna, cause we'd got engaged in planning our wedding before lockdown. They thought that we were just going to wait till after we got married. So they were just so shocked. And, um, yeah, and then I booked an appointment and I went to go get a blood test. And I remember going into the doctor's office and telling her, oh, I'm pregnant, like I need a blood test. And I just literally burst into tears and I was just crying. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm just, I was like, I just think I'm really shocked. And she's like, it's okay. Um and she was so sweet. She made me feel very comforted and said, you know, I can set up a mental health plan for you or you can just book appointments and you can just come and chat to me if you need. It's um, honestly so sweet. I know. It really is. And like that doctor, as a side note, my sister sees her at the moment and I haven't seen her since then, but she actually has a baby the same age as Emilio. So she was probably, she said she was pregnant at the same time. Oh, she would have been. Yeah. She said, oh, yeah, I remember your sister. I was actually pregnant when, like, she came to see me too. So that's really sweet. She probably could, like, relate to, like, the vibes I was feeling. Um, And got a blood test and then I was positive. And then I was kind of like, what happens now? Like, I had no idea what happened next. And I remember she had to explain it all to me, like, I was like, God, which hospital do you go to and how does it all work? It is overwhelming, actually. You're sort of like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, all you want is to be pregnant and that might take ages or whatever. And you think, oh, once you're pregnant, you have a few scans and that's it. But there's actually so much more involved, like especially if you kind of want to have a little bit more of a um, a bit more of a say or control over what kind of care you're going to receive. Yes. And so that's obviously what you did do because you always knew that you wanted to do midwifery through the midwifery program yeah yeah well I didn't actually know about the midwifery program at that point I knew of midwives obviously but I hadn't yet listened to Australian birth stories so I didn't actually know the MGP midwifery group practice model she just explained to me a few different models and she explained to me the midwifery group um, model and I was like oh that sounds good like I would love to have the same midwife um that's probably my preference And yeah, she put me, obviously nominated me for that one. And, um, I was lucky enough to get in. I was very early in my pregnancy. So I did get very lucky because obviously there was a baby boom during COVID. So very grateful that I did make it into the program. I just want to backtrack actually a little 
to before I got pregnant, like I just want to talk about body image and relate it to pregnancy because obviously women struggle with body image issues literally their whole lives, no matter what you look like. I think that no woman has not struggled from um, body image issues and um, me being bigger my whole life, I definitely always thought, oh, I really want to lose weight before I have a baby. Like I was always like, oh, if I got pregnant, like would anyone even know I was pregnant? And you see like these beautiful skinny women and their nice, perfectly round bellies on Instagram and everywhere just in pop culture. And I was, I just knew I'm never going to look like that. And I want to look like that. Like I always had that in my mind, which is so silly, but that's what I had thought. But unfortunately that is the influence from social media. Like we do internalize it so much, even though, you know, we think, oh, that's okay. Like I I know I don't look like that specific person, but what, what I can relate to you is that like, I feel like even when I look back on photos of how I looked when I was pregnant, you still don't really see, you don't see many photos that actually looked like that of actual pregnant, like real, in quotation mark, real pregnant people. And I remember that I also had a lot of that sort of like, oh, I'm not going to look cute when I'm pregnant. And I know that's such a trivial thing, but like your body image is, you know, it is so important and your body is your body. Like you live in it every single day. So you can't, you know, we can't um, act like that's not something that's going to affect you. No, exactly. And I think I definitely had always thought, yeah, I'm going to lose weight before I have a baby. Like I was like in that mindset. But when I did fall pregnant, I was probably at the heaviest I'd ever been um, due to just lockdowns and whatnot. And just general life. And I had been working out regularly, like because of lockdown, I was in a really healthy frame of mind, which I'm really grateful for. Um, But yeah, as soon as I fell pregnant, I didn't even think about what I was going to look like really. I was nervous about, you know, being overweight and are they going to make me do the gestational diabetes check early or are they going to weigh me? I was really, I didn't want anyone to weigh me because that I knew that would be a trigger for me. And they only ever weighed me at the beginning of my pregnancy and then they never weighed me again. Um, oh, except for at one of my doctor's appointments they did, but I just didn't look at it. I just, yeah. And then being pregnant, I just, yeah, I just, it was the first time in my life where I wasn't totally consumed by what I was eating. I think when you go through those first few weeks of feeling so sick and so nauseous. Yeah, that when you can finally eat again, you're like, I'll eat my hot chippies if that's what I feel like eating. (laughs) Literally. Yeah, those real salty chips, give them to me. (laughs) I know. I, I was like, I had been eating like quite healthy before and I was trying to be health conscious before I got pregnant. And oh my God, how hard is it though to sit down and be like, I'm going to have these lovely vegetables tonight. Oh my God. Your gosh. stomach, your taste buds is like, no, no, Literally. thank you. I need just something really salty I know. and fried. I was the same. I was like, I want to be healthy. No, it was really hard. I know. I think for the first like 12 weeks, the thought and the smell of a vegetable or a salad or anything, what I'd normally been eating, I was like, actually get away from me. Like I cannot consume this Sorry, it was two-minute noodles and toast with butter. That's what it was. Yeah, you loved your two-minute noodles, didn't you? I remember. It just I went for through 12 like weeks. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I went through a tomato soup and like cheese toasty on the side phase as well because it was like 
this actually funnily enough wasn't in the very early stage it was almost when I was like a few months in and it got really cold and I was like oh you know what I need is some fucking tomato soup (laughs) that's so random so specific but it's a good one tomato soup um yeah and yeah so then I was the only thing in like a I luckily didn't vomit because we know me and vomiting phobia. I just felt so sick all day, all morning. If I, I would sometimes have like a little cracker when I woke up from Aaron would put little crackers on my bedside table so I could eat them before I stood up because if I didn't do that, I actually, that was the closest I got to vomiting. It just really affected affects you. But for me, it was the fatigue. I just, honestly, I was sleeping 12 hours a night and I had to have a two-hour nap every day, and thank God we were in lockdown, so I could do that. Honestly, I'm worried about when I'm pregnant again because, like, with a child, you can't have a two-hour nap, and you certainly cannot sleep 12 hours straight. Well, Amelia definitely wouldn't allow that. But, yeah, so then I had my first midwife appointment at 12 weeks, and oh, we did the um, NIPT test, and um, thankfully everything was fine, and we did a gender reveal just with a few, I think at the time it was just like maximum 30 people at your house or whatever it was. Yeah, we did that and we found out we were having a little boy. And I remember that you thought you were having a girl. I did. Because I remember you had a bit of a peek at the paperwork and you saw a G and you were like, oh, I saw a G. I remember you saying this to me and you're like, oh, I feel like when I was like packing up the paperwork, I saw a G and I think it's a girl. And then later you were like, I think the G was for gender. <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that. There was a story well, like I that. Really it was so funny. <laughs> I did yes. want a girl very badly. Um, I was obviously, I was at the time happy for it to be either a boy or a girl, but I do think I felt gender disappointment for sure. Like I definitely, my whole life, I just thought, oh, I'm going to be a girl mom. Like I could just picture myself having a little girl first. And then I didn't really care what happened after that. But um, I just am really attached to the idea of having a daughter. So I think knowing that he was a boy, what if then they're all boys from then on out? I was like, oh my God, that would be very stressful. I would still love them, but it would just, it would break my heart. Like I I really want that experience. So, um, but. Could you imagine if Emilio was a girl though? No. <laughs> like I just can't. No. I just know him as Emilio. It's so funny. He's literally perfect and I wouldn't change it for a thing, but. Exactly. Um, Yes, so he, we found out he was a girl and I remember the... the Did you? You found out he was a, a girl. Hot <laughs> 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 <My> twist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, so we, but I remember it took really long and we almost didn't have the results in time because of all the COVID tests that had to be um, sorted out, my blood test obviously got pushed back. I think the NIPT test place where we did it was a COVID testing place as well so that took ages yeah it took like four three three four weeks I think um but then yeah and then I started to feel better and so then after that like once you knew so by the time you knew the gender you'd obviously had probably two scans already did you have like a an early scan like a six-week scan I did I had a six-week scan and I was very nervous for it because obviously when I was really shocked about being pregnant I think I was the anxiety for me started then in my pregnancy because I was dealing with a lot of emotions I was dealing with the shock that I was actually pregnant and the fact that I was going to be a mom I was dealing with the fact that I had guilt because I felt guilty that I was pregnant before you and I'd actively said I wasn't trying 
and I knew you were actively trying. So like it just really hit hard. And I was then feeling like, oh my God, I'm feeling scared and shocked and guilty. What if I have a miscarriage? Like how would I have thought myself into the miscarriage? I'm so stressed and it was it was very difficult. And then I was really scared that I was going to go into that six week scan and not hear a heartbeat. And Aaron wasn't allowed in with me. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to hear this news by myself. Um so that was really scary and luckily all was fine. And he got to cut they let him in if I went out of the room, they let him in just to hear the heartbeat quickly. And I was like, why? Yeah. I was like, why? Like, it just didn't even make sense. I'm like, if I've been in the room, I live with this person. Like, it's not a COVID risk. I don't understand. Anyway, at 12 weeks, I think we had our first appointment with um, my midwife. And she, it was over Zoom and she was just asking a few questions and we'd had our 12-week scan at that point. And um, she had, she told me though that she was going on long service leave after this, like a week after our appointment. Um, so she, I was going to be dealing with another midwife and then she'd be back when I was like 20 something weeks or whatever it was. So I at least knew, okay, so I'm not having her the whole way through, but I'm getting her now and I'm getting her probably at like my third appointment after that because when you're so before like 25 weeks 30 weeks you don't really see your midwife heaps anyway and so then yeah so then you obviously had had yes yeah, so you'd had your second scan and then you would have obviously been having your morphology 21 22 week scan upcoming and there's a bit of a story about that one isn't there no, he actually sorry the story actually is oh. at the 12 week scan. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. So, for anyone out there who has partners that faint, this is not very common, I guess. You think more that your partner would pass out during your birth, not really during a scan. But, Aaron, <laughs> my lovely husband, he is really funny about like medical things and blood, and like it's not necessarily like the actual blood looking at it it's just like he replays it in his head and then he makes it out worse and he overthinks it and he just spirals really quickly so anyway we were having our 12-week scan and the guy was explaining like this is the baby's heart this is where the chambers are this is all the blood running through and it was like the blood pumping was really loud and you could visually he had lit up like all the blood running through the heart and whatever and then Aaron just was like, oh, my God, sorry, I'm starting to <laughs> to faint. <laughs> and at, th- at this point he was doing an internal exam. Internal exam <laughs> and into- You're like, I can't really help you. No. Like, I'm so on the table. Aaron's just like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So the bathroom was outside of the room, but my legs were up <laughs> and the guy was bloody inside of me. To Like, it was facing the door. So Aaron walks yeah. to the door, opens it, and the guy's like, mate. You can't open the door. And then starts like having to go at him because like my bloody vagina's been shown to the whole room out there. And oh, Aaron was like, Oh, sorry, sorry. And then just like lays down on the ground afterwards. Or there was like a bed. I think the guy was like, Go lay over there. And um then he like started talking to Aaron and he calmed down and everything was fine. But I was just like, mate, how do you pass out in a scan? You're such freaking random. It's actually so funny. I know. So I was at that point a bit nervous about the birth because I thought, (laughs) 
if this is what's going to happen in a scan, what am I going to be expecting at the birth? But anyway, it was, he um was very willing to watch all videos and do hypnobirthing and all of that. And I was very excited. He actually had no choice, but he was excited too. Um, I booked my hypno. To do the hypnobirthing. Yeah. 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 I feel like I remember when you guys were both um, talking about doing it. You were more excited about the prospect of doing it, but then I remember seeing Aaron after the first one and he was like, that was really good. I've really, you know, he was already alongside you being like, you guys should definitely book yourselves in for hypnobirthing like when your time comes because I would strongly recommend it. Yeah, I think like hypnobirthing was amazing for, yeah, I would recommend it for the partners. Like obviously for yourself it's really good to learn you know, the stages of labor and where you should feel at different stages and the actual biology behind it and all of that. Like that is so amazing. I loved it for that. But knowing that Aaron knew all of that and then knew all the tips to help me because I wasn't going to be able to voice some of my opinions or feelings or whatever, I felt so safe knowing that he knew exactly what I wanted and that he knew what he was doing. Like he could actually be there for me 100%, which is when you're going into such a vulnerable thing that is birth, it's so important to feel like someone there is going to be your safety net. And that's why, you know, having that midwife, the continuity of care is really important because you feel safe with them and you trust them. And like there's statistics that support just having that trust in the caregiver for you is just improves your chances of having a really positive birth. Um, especially no matter what happens as well in your birth, like the actual story of your birth, like you view it more positively if there are people around you that you trust and you trust and they let you, um, they have your best interest at heart because then you know that, you know, you tried all your, all the things you could to have the kind of birth that you wanted and it's all about your outlook on it really. Um, that matters anyway. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I really feel like with hypnobirthing, like obviously – I feel like there can be some misconceptions that probably come along with the title being hypnobirthing that people probably think that you're like, oh, you're meant to go into like a state of hypnosis when you're pregnant. Uh, sorry, when you're in labor and not feel anything. That's not obviously what it is. It's really, it's mainly just positive birth. And it, it obviously is really, as you've said about being educated, your birth partner being educated and feeling like you are making the correct choices for you, your partner and your baby slash babies. I guess hypnobirthing has that misconceptions like you has its con- misconceptions like you said but when people say oh you never know how it's going to go like I'm not really going to it's just I'm just going to go with the flow like I get what they're saying in saying yeah go with the flow and in hypnobirthing they're like yeah go with the flow but go with the flow while you were educated and informed to give the consent to do the things that have the flow on effect and yeah and knowing that you feel informed and are able to understand what's happening to you in the moment it changes your outlook on the whole birth therefore making it more positive than you know if you were just like oh I'm just going to go with the flow don't know what anything is and it just all happens to you you'll probably feel more like violated by the whole experience because you didn't know what was happening because you didn't have the education behind you and I think that is what makes the difference and I think that that while, yeah, you can't have your birth plan never goes to plan, it's still important to have the plan there and have 
all the backup so that you know exactly what's going to happen if if things go like not to plan kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I definitely agree with that. Um, and so for you, when you say having a plan, do you feel like you had like a a strong image of how you visualized your birth was going to go? Did you actually write down any birth preferences or was it more that you'd conveyed a lot of things to your midwife and Aaron, um, how you wanted to see things go? Yeah. So I think I was maybe about 28 weeks when I had been thinking in the back of my head, oh, maybe I should do a home birth. I don't know. Like, you know, I'd seen a lot of birth videos just on Instagram of home births and they looked really beautiful. And I always knew I didn't love hospitals as a space. And I knew that in birth, you want to feel somewhere where you feel safe. And there's nowhere I feel safer than at home with Aaron and my family. So I was like, and it was lockdown. And I knew that in hospital, if I gave birth and I had to stay at the hospital for some reason or whatever, a night or whatever, I knew that Aaron was going to have to leave. And that really filled me with a lot of anxiety, knowing that the first night that I would be there, I wouldn't have Aaron. And so after our first hypnobirthing class, I was like, I want a home birth. And we just were having a midwife appointment. So I spoke to her and she was, I was nervous to say, oh, I want a home birth because obviously you don't know how everyone's going to feel about it. But as soon as I mentioned home birth, um, Michaela, my wonderful midwife, she said, oh, I love home births. Um, I'm, I think she was like trying to get her accreditation for home birth. So she was like, I really hope I get to be there because Michaela wasn't my midwife. Meg was actually coming back the next appointment. And she was like, oh, I really hope I get to be at your home birth. And she was so excited. So that made me like feel calm and just even more excited knowing that she was so on board with it. And then the next appointment I spoke to Meg and she, Meg, my midwife was like, if I, I couldn't have had a more perfect midwife, she just lo- like, she loved everything that I said in terms of like, we were on the same page about a lot of things to do with birth. And she was very excited that I was going to be having a home birth. After that, we just kind of rolled like made a plan about what I needed to have for a home birth. And Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, how does that look? Because I remember like even in the lead up to that, I think that, you know, we were both really excited. Like, I felt really excited. I act like I'm in your like relationship and I'm the other birth partner or something. Like I'm not. <laughs> I know. I was just so excited because I didn't know anyone that had had like a planned home birth. And I remember like we were both, you know, really getting into Australia, like you were very into it, but like Australian birth stories and just like, I feel like it was really exciting to start being like, oh, what does it actually entail to be able to have a home birth? So as soon as I decided I wanted a home birth, I luckily, so our Monash Casey, where I gave birth, they are one of two hospitals in Victoria to offer a home birth as part of the NGP program. So it's Casey or Sunshine. Otherwise, no other hospital actually allows you to have a home birth. That's public funded. Um, so I was very lucky in that. And so I had to have one doctor's appointment. Um, and he just pretty much said to me, are you going to listen to the midwives if they tell you to transfer? You know, um, because obviously they're very protective of home birth um, and their home birth program and they don't want it to be taken away. and if you were birthing and ignore the midwife's um, opinion to go to hospital and something dangerous happens, that obviously reflects really badly on the program and on the hospital. 
So they just want to make sure that you are willing to listen and cooperate. And I was like, of course, like, I'm not here to put my life or my baby's life or this program in jeopardy. Like, I will listen. Um, And he was like, cool, you can do it. And then you just had to have certain levels of, like, oxygen in your blood and red blood cells, um, low iron or any risk factors that can lead to, like, hemorrhaging and stuff like that after birth. So I was all good to go. And then at my 36-week appointment, oh, there's also, like, online kits that you can buy that's just, like, home birth kits and it had like the pool, the pump, the drain, like all of those things that you need in a water birth pretty much. And was that what you guys did? You bought a kit online? Yes, we bought a kit online. Um, Still have it for my home birth one day as we'll hear. (laughs) Spoiler. Um, And yeah, so Meg, my midwife at 36 weeks came to my house for the appointment. I think it just to like scope out the house. She's been there then before the birth and to see where everything would be happening. And we told her this is where we were thinking of birthing and all of that. And we just had a really long chat. It was so nice to have an appointment at your house. Um, And she came and she dropped off a whole bunch of medical equipment that they may need on the, on the day of the birth. The day of the birth, she would bring another box, which had just like medic, like the oxytocin Tosin shot and like all of those kinds of things that they obviously don't want to leave at people's houses. And so obviously um, as your sort of pregnancy prolonged, what ended up happening um, in terms of when it came to you being like, okay, how is my birth actually going to look? Because as we now know, or obviously you ended up knowing you weren't actually going to be able to have a home birth, unfortunately. So they just said to me, she pre-warned me that day. I was 36 weeks and she said, I just want to let you know that, you know, we're really short staff. Um, if for any reason that there's, you know, not enough staff on or we won't be at, because I had to have her and another midwife come at the birth. It wasn't just her. You have to have her. And then um, it was going to be her and then a midwife for the baby and then um, a midwife getting her accreditation, which was hopefully going to be Michaela. And, um, yeah, if we don't have enough to take them out of the hospital, then you can't have a home birth and you'll have to go into hospital. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like it is what it is. I can't change that. Like whatever happens, happens. I ended up going into labor when I was 40 weeks and three days. So a few more weeks after that appointment and it came on really hard and fast for me. Um, I think I got woken up at about 8am in the morning to like a stabbing pain in my, like the bottom of my stomach. And I was like, oh, I need to like go to the toilet. Cause for two weeks before this, I'd been having like early labor signs and I'd been researching every twinge and oh, I was getting so impatient. And it is though, cause your body is starting to prepare. The anticipation was killing me, but I woke up and I was like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. So I went to the toilet and everything was fine. And then I went back to bed and we're just laying there. And then half an hour later, it happened again. And I was like, oh, this is like quite painful. Like, what the hell? And then about 20 minutes after that, it happened again. And I said to Aaron, can you please call the midwife? Because I'm having like appendicitis attack or something like that. Like, I didn't know what was wrong with me because (laughs) the feelings that I was feeling were not at all. So you didn't think it was labor, you thought I'm having appendicitis, yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like for me, everywhere I've read, it says 
labor starts like period pain. And I don't know if it's because I had a really fast labor that that affected that, but it just went not to period pain. This was a stabbing, gas, aggressive pain straight away. So I thought that something was wrong. And she was like, oh, no, it sounds like labor. And then in my head, I was thinking, fuck me. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like, um, excuse me? Like, this is so I'm not ready today. <laughs> Literally. <Yep>. <laughs> and um, after that, it, like after that one 20 minutes later, I had another one 10 minutes later, then another one five minutes later, and then another one three minutes later. And then they were just coming every two to three minutes from then on out. And I remember I was like, I FaceTimed, I think, my mum and my sister, and I was like, guys, this is so painful. Oh my God. And mum was like, my love, it doesn't get worse. It just gets more intense. It doesn't get worse than this though, lovey. And I was like, okay, it's going to get worse than this, mum, I know. And did it get worse? Oh, it like, she is right. It doesn't necessarily, for me, it didn't necessarily get worse, but it just was like, got more intense, you know? And, um, but anyway, we got into the hospital and Meg had called them, said, you know, she's on her way. And I'd already said that I wanted a water birth. So they knew that. So I got there and she was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, this is really intense. And so then she was like, do you want me to put the water on for you? I was like, yes, please. So she started filling out the bath and I went into a room. Oh, I also, as soon as I felt that first contraction, I was like, Aaron, get my, not the first one. As soon as Meg had told me I was in labor, I was like, Aaron, get my TENS machine. Let's put it on. And the TENS machine was my best friend. I loved the TENS machine. It was something, I guess, that I could do. It distracted me and I felt like the pain helped me. Um, so I really would say try a TENS machine. Worst case, you don't like it, you take it off. Best case, you love it and it's amazing to have. And so we got into the room and I just remember Aaron had left all the bags in the car because I was like, we're probably going to be sent home. Like I've been laboring for not even one hour. Like, come on, like I've got 30 to go. Yeah, I feel like um, that's something that probably both of us, I think, had in our mind that I think we both really tried to set ourselves up to be like, you know what, I'm probably going to labor for a while. I actually hadn't written out birth preferences yet. Um, I hadn't gone to it yet. Not that I hadn't gone to it yet, but more I was like, well, Meg's going to be at my home birth and Meg's, I just thought Meg's going to be there, which is stupid because she might not have been there. But I was like, Meg's going to be there. She knows all my preferences. And um. So I didn't have anything written down, but the midwife was lovely that we got um, when we arrived. She was talk, trying to talk to me and asking me how I feel. And she was trying to like, you know, with the Doppler, get the baby's heartbeat to make sure he was okay. And Aaron was like closing all the windows. And I just remember I just couldn't sit down. Like I was roaming around the room. And then as soon as a contraction would come over, I would like bend over and like lean on like the sink or lean on the bed or lean on wherever I was. Like I just felt like I had to like, walk the pain off in a way like it's funny because my brother played soccer his whole life and he would get knocked over and my dad would just be like walk off the pain walk off the pain and I was like just trying to just like walk through the pain and just push through it and um then Meg finally arrived and she was like do you want me to check you because I didn't want to be checked like I said to myself don't check because you're just going to get disappointed kind of thing and she checked me I was like, yes, check me. Cause I was like, this is painful. I need to know. So she said to me, Oh, you're seven centimeters dilated. I was like, Oh, I literally remember thinking, thank the Lord. Because how many hours in do, would you say that was? So 
That was around four and a half hours later. And yeah, seven centimeters. She later actually told me I was probably closer to eight centimeters, but she was like, I always just go with the lower number so that like they don't put the pressure on you in the hospital. Like you should be dilating this fast when you're this much and all of that kind of stuff. So then I, she was like, do you want to get in the bath? And I hopped in the bath and it was really nice to just be weightless and just to like roll around and have the the warm water soothe your pain of your tummy and your back. And um, I was like, all, most of the time I was laying on my front, just on my um, like hands and floating. And then Aaron just had the um, shower head and was just the trickle of and the pressure of the shower on your back like that is just so nice and it's so pain relieving. And um, I remember getting to the point where I just, I've had enough, like I cannot do this anymore. Please help me. I just was thinking in my head, just freaking take me into theatre and cut the baby out of me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because that is something that you do learn about in hypnobirthing, that when you're in that phase, and it's really important that your partner learns that, I think, is that when your partner's looking at you going, I can't do this anymore, that's actually obviously when they're transitioning. And I think that really gives your birthing partner the confidence to be like, you can do this because they know that you're close to the end. And I think it becomes, it's kind of the exciting time where it's like, okay, like we're in crunch time now and they're like, because I could almost imagine if you hadn't done any sort of form of um, any sort of education or if no one's ever even told you that before, you could be the kind of person who's like, oh, my God, like my partner's really saying that they can't do this anymore and it might make you stress. And Because I've heard people tell birth stories where they've said, you know, I was saying to my partner, like, I can't do this anymore and their birth partner stressed. Like, and then that made them feel stressed. And I think it's really important as a birth partner to really try to remain um, composed as much as you can. And obviously a lot of that ties into, you know, watching birthing videos before and just knowing like the physiological side of it, um, obviously for you yeah, and your no, partner. Aaron said that's when he said, if I didn't know that you were supposed to go through that phase, I would have been really scared for you. But I remember like in labor was the only time I've ever really had an out-of-body experience. Like I remember feeling that and thinking that and even thinking to myself though separately from those thoughts, you're in transition. Like I know that you're almost there. I was like, you've wanted to have a baby your whole life and you're actually about to push a baby out soon. And like I don't know how long it was in between those me thinking I can't do this anymore to getting that fetal ejection reflex or whatever it is start happening. But Lordy Lord, I literally was not expecting that. Like I'd heard people say like, you know, bear down. And I was like, oh yeah, you push, like you're pushing a poo. Like it's all like, you feel like you need to poo. And, but it's like, for me, I was an intense reflex that started occurring. And I was like, okay, what the actual fuck's going on? I get now when women say they vomit when they're transitioning because it's honestly your body convulses in that exact same way as when you're you're vomiting and you have no control of doing like the gagging. That's what started happening. So then I was like, cool, you're pushing a baby out. And then. And sorry, what position were you in? Because you were in the bath. I was in the bath. At first, I was on my hands and knees. And then I was like having that, that ejection reflex for a little bit. And then. I was starting to feel uncomfortable. So I moved onto my side and like one midwife was holding, cause it was just me and Meg and Aaron in the, the room the whole time I was in the bath. 
um, and they were just in there by themselves. And then obviously when I started to transition, because she Meg was paying attention to the purple line on my back and Aaron and her were having conversations and I could hear them talking, but like I wasn't talking back to them. But she said, oh, like she's almost fully dilated because look, you can see the line. And I was like, oh, good, I'm almost there, thank God. And then um, other midwives came in and they had like a big torch and one was holding my one leg up, the other one was holding the torch and Meg was just like right there with me. Oh, so they were holding up um, your leg at like the knee because you were on your side and they were holding Yep. yep. And then like I was pushing him out and then she was like, oh, his hair's right there, do you want to feel it? And I was like, yes. So then I like reached down and I like felt his hair and she was like, he has so much hair and I was like, oh my God, he has so much hair. And then, um, and then I felt uncomfortable in that position. So I moved back onto my hands and knees and, um, I started to push his head out and like that ring of fire started to happen. And like, you really, like we were saying the other day, it's like, it's so hard to push them out because it's like you're in control of like how far you push that ring of fire each time the head's there and you know it's like if you just don't push anymore, you won't feel the ring of fire, but you're like, I have to. I, I have to literally push literally, through the pain. You have to push through that little that that bit that feels like you're literally going to like tear in a million pieces. And so I did. I was like, just fucking push this baby out, Skylar. So I pushed and then his head finally came out. And then on the next push, his whole body came out and I like pulled him up like from through my legs. And so like I was the first one to touch him and I like grabbed him and I put him onto my chest and I was just like crying and like I just looked at Aaron like, oh my God, I did it. I actually did it. Another midwife was like taking a few photos um, for us. So I have the moments that I pushed him out like Leon film and yeah, and then he was born and it was the most intense yet amazing experience. And then once he was born, like I stayed in there for like not even a minute and they were like, all right, like we're going to get the placenta out. So do you want to go sit on the toilet? So I carried him and like hopped out the bar, sat on the toilet, but I didn't like sitting on the toilet. So then, um, I was like, um, I don't feel comfortable here. So they took me back to the room just across the hallway and I laid on the bed and I was just, you know, holding Emilio, looking at him, taking it all in. And, um, cause I wanted to, have I didn't get the oxytocin shot I wanted to have like a physiological third stage and um so then um I don't actually know how long after I would say like about 20 minutes later I birthed the placenta and because I was still having contractions like to try and get the placenta out it was still my uterus was still giving me contractions and then she was like when you feel the contraction just try and push and then after a few of like attempts to try and push it blocked out that's when Aaron almost passed out. He was just looking. <laughs> he was a, an amazing birth partner. I am so grateful for everything that he did in my labor. He was amazing. And then, yeah, it got to that point and then he looked at it. Obviously, heaps of blood comes out afterwards as well. And he was like, that was a lot. And then he had to like lay on the floor. But Meg, or it, he, we had pre-warned Meg. He's a fainter. <laughs> just be on just be cautious. Yeah. And so Meg was like, you did so well, Aaron. You did such a good job the whole time. Like you should be really proud of yourself. And then I grazed. I didn't really know you could graze here, but I grazed at the top of my vulva, like where the clitoris is. And she was like, oh, because 
they touch when your legs are together, I have to stitch one side so that they don't heal together. So I was like, great. I haven't yep. even, yep. you know, got a tear technically. Now I still have to get stitches, which is what I was scared of. They had to give me local anesthetic and, oh, my Lord, that was literally painful. Like, So they put in, like a needle into your clitoris? Pretty or- much. And the needle doesn't go into your clitoris, oh. but, like, their hands are, like, right. Oh, it was so sensitive. And you've literally just yeah. pushed a baby out, so the area already is sensitive. So it was and you had a bit of a graze there exactly. as well. So they're touching the area yeah. that's already sore. So that was horrible. I was like holding Aaron's hand and like your legs are in the like stirrups or whatever they call them and bright lights down there and shining. And I was like, oh, my God, this is horrendous. So I was just trying to focus on – I think at that point um, Aaron was actually getting some skin-on-skin time with Emilio and I was holding like a midwife's hand or something like that. Well, that's nice. At least they were doing that. And I suppose as well for you in that scenario, you were probably at least like, well, this is the end of it in terms of the labor. I've already got my baby. So even though it was obviously quite, you know, uncomfortable and there was, you know, that pain there, at least you probably were able to be like, that's okay. I just got to get through this little bit. And then then it was all good. And I gave birth at 3.01 and at seven or eight o'clock at night, I was discharged from the hospital and we could go home and we went home. And I had a really nice first night. I loved my labor. I remember afterwards I was saying to my sister, oh, my God, that was so intense. Like, I don't know if I can do that again. That was really intense. But as time has gone on, I'm like, yeah, of course I could do that. Because, like, then you know, because for me, I didn't look at Emilio and have, like, an instant obsession. Like, I obviously loved him and cared for him and knew he was mine, but for me, I definitely felt the love grow every single day. I think as well, for me, when I had him, I was in shock like that I had a baby and it was like a really big change. Like you bring home a baby and it's like all uh, very overwhelming. And the hormones, like, yeah, like that's, you know, the hormones obviously play such a big part in your postpartum. It is crazy. Then you just care for this little baby and yeah, everything was all right after that. I was struggling with breastfeeding a bit, so they all – Michaela actually came on my second day and she brought a nipple shield for me and that really changed our breastfeeding journey for the better with Emilio. Like he was really struggling to latch, um, especially on my left side. I have an inverted nipple, so like I was always really worried that I was never going to be able to breastfeed. I was like always searching like what does that look like? Like can they still breastfeed? and like it was a very stressful, shameful almost part of it for me because obviously it's not really spoken about a lot and I just was really didn't want to blurt it to everyone but like now I don't care. I know because there's a lot of pressure and I think especially when you go, oh, I'm definitely going to breastfeed like provided that I can and then what kind of like things like that sort of happen and you're like, oh, like it's just a literal barrier between me being able to feed my baby yeah. properly right now. And I think as I touched on before with the hormones, but I think there is that level of like just guilt and responsibility because you're like, but I want to feed my baby and like, is my baby not full enough because I'm not giving them enough because they're not getting enough from me right now? Yeah. I think in hindsight, he probably did have a bit of a tongue tie and I should have tried a bit harder because when I would try and wean off the nipple shield, he just 
still really struggled and I was just lazy and I couldn't be bothered. So he still uses the nipple shield, even though a lot of people wean them off at a like six months kind of thing. He just didn't want to. For my next baby, I'll be aware of that. But yeah, breastfeeding was hard. The first six weeks I was ready to give up so many times, but I'm really, really glad I didn't give up. And I'm really glad that I pushed through like Everyone in my life was so supportive. Like my mum, who loves breastfeeding and is a huge advocate for breastfeeding, was like, My love, it's not worth it. Like Amelia just needs a happy mum. Like, just leave it. But I just was like, No, <laughs> I want to do it. So I just kept ignoring them. And I'm really glad that I did because it's just, I don't know, I've just absolutely adored breastfeeding. I don't know when I'll stop. <laughs> I'll just see. Well, I mean, honestly, you don't need to stop for a long time. Like, you're both happy. You both enjoy it. It's a connection that you two have. And honestly, I think realistically, if it, you know, if it's still bringing you joy, go for it. All power to you. Keep going. I think it's really nice to hear a positive story. And obviously, you know, there is space for all the stories. Like every single birth story makes up, you know, the whole catalog of birth stories in the world. I think it's just really nice and refreshing, like really nice to have a friend in my life who felt similarly as me towards, you know, birth and who had already been through it and who was able to be sort of that positive and and be like an advocate for me. Like I think it's really, really nice to have that positive story. And it just I think it can just fill people with that sense of like, oh, I can do this. Like we can seriously do this. Women are so strong. We are so tough and our bodies are made for it. And sometimes we have to have some help along the way. But I absolutely advocate for, you know, and I know you do as well, educating yourself and having that positive mind frame in however that looks for you. Exactly. Yep. You know, in however that looks for every individual person. Yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. Like you need to be educated in order to know what what that positive outlook looks like for you. And so, yeah, my number one tip for anyone who is pregnant, about to be pregnant, um, or who will ever think that they will be pregnant, I think educate yourself on birth, do a positive birth course, listen to Australian birth stories, do their birth class, whatever you feel, but just really absorb as much information as you can about pregnancy and labor and postpartum so that you are you have your best foot forward to go into whatever experience you have. But um, yeah, I really thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I love hearing it. And um, no, I'm telling I've you. definitely heard it at least a couple of <laughs> times before in my little life. Um, but yeah, I think it's really exciting and I'm really excited for other people to hear it and to share, you know, their experiences, if they've had something similar, what their thoughts were, if anyone's had home birth we really want to hear those stories as well like I think that's really exciting I I really want to change the stigma around home birth because that's I was scared to tell people I want a home birth because of their reactions like their reactions weren't going to deter me from what I wanted but I think the stigma of home birth is so strong and it's so negative it really affects how people view it and like oh you're just one of those people who just you know don't believe in medicine and you just are a hippie and it's like that like it couldn't be more wrong that the the picture that people have so uh, my brother I remember when I wanted a home birth my brother told me that he was training this a doctor he was an emergency doctor to be fair when Lucas said I'm having a home birth he thought I was just like 
saying fuck you to the hospital system and just doing a free birth at home. And I was like, there's a difference between home Which is birth not and what free an actual birth. Home birth is, yeah. Exactly. Even someone in the medical system is so uneducated. Doesn't actually understand what yeah. a home birth is, yeah. Exactly. So, anyway. Well, anyway, share your stories. I feel like at some point down the track, we definitely will want to put a bit of a call out to hear any other stories. And yeah, we just really thank everyone for listening to this episode today. And again, thank you, Sky. Thank you for listening, guys. Please um, rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at what the hell are you doing what the hell are we doing what the hell are we doing doing? (laughs) what the hell are we doing (laughs) podcast yes podcast the end yeah we'll be in your ears next week monday have a lovely week everyone Bye. bye